Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Rainstock Play. As the super mega uber IPL auction comes to a close, we pick our winners and losers from the weekend's bidding. We'll go around the grounds to round up the cricketing action in India, Australia and New Zealand. And we'll dissect a very interesting week for England's men's team as Broad and Anderson are dropped for the tour of West Indies. All that plus Zach's quick question to round up this week's pod. Another busy Rainstock play as it always is. No will this week, but I'm joined by Glenn and Zach. Glenn. How are you? I know you. I can see you making notes because you're trying to put an England eleven together, and we're excited to hear that later in the pod. Precisely that. I neglected my preparation somewhat, um, so I, I'm bashing through some notes as we speak. <laughs> and Zach, who's written all the notes this week, who's been all over the cricket, and we can't wait to hear about it. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, I've been enjoying lots of cricket on, and I'm excited to tell you all about it over the next uh, 45 minutes or so. It's what we're here to do. This is Rainstock Play. Um, thank you for joining us once again. Uh, but as I said, I think we've got to start with the IPL auction, which is, for me, was both a mixture of fun and very boring. It's very slow, isn't it? The way they let them bid. They really let them think. It's not like Bargain Hunt, for those in the UK. It's more like even slower Bargain Hunt. Um, but the headlines, um, excuse me for sort of changing currencies throughout this chat from us dollars sometimes into pounds sometimes into lack but that's the way all the articles i've been reading have written uh but the 10 clubs uh that are now in the ipl spent a combined 27 million dollars on player talent ishan kishan was the most expensive player to nobody's surprise bit of a bidding war for him uh, we'll come on to the other players but i want to start with england player zach um the, let's go with the sold ones first. Um, and Liam Livingston had himself a payday and he's gone to my Punjab Kings, who look fantastic, by the way. Very excited for them. Uh, unsurprisingly, very you know sought after with his batting and his bowling. Um, and I was surprised someone like Punjab Kings went in for him. And they also got Benny Howe, which is a astute piece of business, uh, as well as Johnny Bairstow. So... You know, if you're an English, if you if if you're listening in England and you haven't quite got a, uh, an IPL team yet. Zach, probably Punjab Kings, isn't it? 
Yeah, it's it's interesting because they had uh, Dan Weston. The he's a he's an he's an English analyst who who works with Birmingham Phoenix, uh, Leicestershire. Worked a little bit with Bangla Tigers in the T10, and now was was at the auction with Punjab Kings, and he managed to sign up Liam Livingston from Birmingham Phoenix, Benny yeah. Howell. Also signed up Johnny Bairstow. Johnny Bairstow and Liam Livingston playing in the same side. I think, you know, like you said, any England fan is going to want to support that team. Um, they've also got Odin Smith, who was smacking sixes for fun against England recently. So that is exciting, that's a, that's isn't a it? really fun side. But oh, that and, also... and KG Rabada. I mean, it was such a good, I keep on to say transfer window, auction for them. Um, mm. And now I understand why Benny Howe went there. That that kind of makes sense. I was like, who, who joined those dots? But he's a, he's a great player. He was great for, for Birmingham Phoenix last year. Uh, other England players, um, Hales went to KKR. Am I correct in saying that? No. Yeah, KKR had had the most hilarious auction ever. Hales kind of got picked up in the after bit because they kind of got go picked up off the, the a few players once. got picked up off the floor, like Billings off the mm, floor, Jordan Billings, was off the yeah. floor, as it were. Sort of, they they go up, don't get sold, and then I read a day later they've been sold. How do you, how does that work, Zach? Do you know? So, th- so they kind of run through the players once, and then they ha- then they get a chance to kind of go back through again for oh, some right. of them. Okay. So, like Billings, it was surprising to see him not get picked up, and then you could see that both KKR and uh, Guger- Gujarat Titans, one of the new teams, both needed a wicketkeeper. So it was like, right, who's going to get that? Yeah. And then it's very good signing at his base price. I think he's a very much improved T20 batter in recent times. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm no longer a KKR fan headline news for the podcast this week. Are you at, genuinely, are we being deadly serious? I'm being deadly serious. They're oh, done. They were done no for me pretty way. early on in the auction. As soon as you're spending 12 crore on um, Sharia Sire, I'm out. Then they get wow. Alex Hales and Ajinka Rahane, and I'm like, come on, guys. Sort it out. But also, it's quite funny. They're just such a banter 11 now, so they, they kind of brought me back in by getting just the I'll worst stick by them team. if they're the banter 11. Stick by them. No, I, I left early on. <laughs> I just, I just love the idea of you know a, f- a football fan changing teams because of a terrible transfer window. Spurs would have no fans. I was going to go for United, but, uh, United fans are well done. Set yourself up there nicely. Um, so, so for for listeners who aren't aware, Zach has been a KKR fan probably since he started watching the IPL, so forever. Um, and he, he's gone. He's jumped ship. This is huge. This is huge. Um, my team is Punjab Kings, as I've said at the start. Glenn, what's your team? You Punjab Kings as well? I can't remember. Uh, no, I'm Rajasthan uh, Royals because uh, when Will went to went to see them. He bought me a shirt, and that is that, that's fandom for me. You know, and I've stuck with my boys. They were hopeless last year, uh, <laughs> Zach, <laughs> and I stuck with them. <laughs> <laughs> Zach, um, so you, what, what team are you going to go for, Zach? Well, so another English player who who got a decent payday was uh, everyone's favourite, Mark Wood. And I've decided I'm going to support his team because they've also got Bishnoi, who's one of my favourite young players. They've also got Jason Holder, who is great fun. And yeah, they're just a lot of fun. And that is the uh, Lucknow Super Giants, one of the new teams. At least they're a new team. and You're not going in for like, you're not going, oh, you know what? I'm going to support CSK now. You've gone for a new no, team. Fresh never. start for you mentally. Because I think it was wearing you being a KKR fan since you've done the pod. I know, I know it has. So, OK, good move. I was surprised that Wood um, had only played one IPL game before, uh, Zach. I thought I thought he would have been, um, you know, a, a bit more frequent than, than that, for, especially for the sum he's gone for as well. Yeah, I think he, he said recently um, in recent years that he's chosen, he's kind of prioritised England and 
that he wanted to make sure he's fit because obviously he's had lots of fitness issues. And then this year he's gone in for it because because of the T20 World Cup coming in this year, this is him basically prioritising England. He's prioritising T20 cricket for England. He's always said that as a thing. And it's kind of the same with um, Tamar Mills, who also got picked up by Mumbai Indians. He's also not really played that much. Went for a lot of money in 2017, I think, and then played a few games, but then has been had lots of injuries. And now he's back again. So English pace bowlers, um, you know, pace bowlers in general, overseas pace bowlers go for lots of money. And it's good to see England pace bowlers getting involved in that this time around. Speaking of England pace bowlers, Jofra Archer got picked up by the Mumbai Indians for 800 lakh-ish, something like that. Uh, for those who don't know, he is ruled out of IPL 2022. He will not be playing, but he still got picked up for an unbelievable price. Uh, Zach, do you, want to, do you want to explain that? Because obviously now Mumbai have him, not for this year, but they, forget. correct me if I'm wrong, they get first dibs on him for 2023 at a base price. Or is this a signing for a number of years when they, when they, win, when they get them at an auction? So this is a signing for a number of years. They'll get to choose how many of their players they retain next year. There's talk that this this might be the last ever, uh, you know, major auction, whatever you want to call it, Uber auction, mega auction. They might not do another one and they might kind of keep these teams rolling. So am I playing 4D chess with everyone? Like England were in the ashes, but actually in a good way this time. Because <laughs> next year they'll have Joffre Archer and Jasprit Bumrah as their oh. death bowlers. They've also got Tamar Mills. You know, they they... They had so much money left over going into kind of the second day because they basically just bought Ishan Kishan. They just focused all their money on getting Ishan Kishan back in the first day. And obviously, they always have a good side. They started with some really good retained players in you know, Pollard, Rohit Sharma, Bumrah. They, they were always going to have a relatively good side and they've smashed it so much because they also got, t- they also got Tim David under everyone's noses because they were basically the only team that had money left to bid for him. And... He's arguably the most informed middle-order batter in, in World T20 cricket in the last year. Help me out with Tim David. I read that today. had not heard of him. Pardon me for not hearing of him as the host of a cricket podcast. You know, there's other stuff going on in my life. Um, a lot of money as well. Now, now the most highly paid Australian man. How about that? You heard of him, Glenn? Well, yeah, because Zach was talking about him on the podcast. Am I not? Am I not right, Zach? Oh, you know, when <laughs> yeah. I'm not talking, I tend to switch off. <laughs> So who is he, Zach? Help me out. I will listen this time. So he he is a Singaporean Australian cricketer who's been tearing it up around the world for eighteen months now. Had a really good BBL just over a year ago, and then played PSL and was really good. Played for Surrey in the fifty over comp. Played a couple games for someone in the hundred as well. Really good year. Went to the IPL last year as kind of a replacement. Didn't didn't play too much. Didn't do too well. And then he's continued to tear it up. He's averaging about 60 in the PSL at the moment and striking it over 200. It's just a cheat code. And yeah, he's very, very good. Middle-order batter? Middle-order batter. Bats four or five, but could bat a little bit lower. Batted a little bit too low for the Hobart Hurricanes over the winter. They're batting him six or seven. And then he he also bowls a bit of off-spin, but that is is part-time. But real part-time. I mean... I'm just looking at, I'll link this article in the pod description, but a great ESPN quick info piece sort of going each franchise's best 11. Now the auction's done what they think their best 11 looks like. Looking at Mumbai's, it's it's pretty strong. And of the bits I did watch of the auction, when they were going for a Shankishan, I loved the guy with the sort of thing you hold up to say you're, you're bidding. 
that no matter who came in, he was putting it up again. He'd obviously been so he obviously said, You have unlimited money to go get this guy, just keep popping it up. Like all the other teams were having a big conference, and this guy at Mumbai was like, Nah, he's ours. Well, that would be because he is effectively the uh, manager of the team because he's the owner's son. So it was him and his mum sat next to each other. They they did a Netflix documentary of Mumbai and, and the owner's son seemed, he seemed pretty insufferable. So I, I it <laughs> makes me not like um, Mumbai because he seems really annoying. Yeah. And then him at the auction where he just kept his paddle up. Another person was bidding and he'd keep his paddle up. Yeah, he was yeah, so smug. Very smug about it. Like, yeah, I got the money. It's like, great. Okay, pal, well done. Was he the ones like that came in tried to do like some motivational speeches or something? I watched it a while ago. Was he just trying to be buddy buddy with the players? It was really uncomfortable. Yeah, because they they did the kind of uh, Sunderland till I die style thing where they had a really bad season. The season they did a, a Netflix, they they won it the season before and the season after they did a Netflix documentary. The season they did the Netflix documentary, they didn't make the playoffs, which obviously wow. for Mumbai is pretty much unheard of. Yeah, and he tried to do some motivational speeches. His mum was in there doing motivational speeches, and it was it was oh, quite painful. That's toe curling. Thinking about it, I might I might I might avoid that doco. Um, let me round at some more England players. We're, we're an England first podcast, and there are other players, obviously. But uh, for those listening in the UK, uh, Chris Jordan to CSK, very CSK move. Uh, went for a decent amount in the end, about three hundred lakh, so decent payday for Jordan. We've mentioned Tamal Mills, David Willey sneaking off to RCB this IPL, pretty handy. Uh, we've mentioned Wood, and now some unsold players. And the biggest one out of that has to be Owen Morgan, KKR's captain from last year. I mean, surprising in the sense that this is. He's a big name. He's captain in the IPL franchise for a while. Obviously not a surprise when you look at his form over the last 18 months. And I think probably the best for him. Just, I don't know. Work out to hit a cricket ball again. Uh, Adil Rashid once again not picked up. Uh, he was he had, he had a small spell in, in the restarted IPL last year. Obviously didn't go well enough to impress anybody. Darren Milan not picked up either. And Craig Overton not picked up unsurprisingly. Um, poor old Craig. There are some other players I've missed out there. Some other bigger names. Steve Smith not picked up. Again, it feels like good business to not actually pick him up. Uh, I don't think Adam Zampa was picked up. Was he picked up off the floor or was he just ignored entirely? Because the the overseas leg spin has really struggled, basically, was one of the headlines from this. Uh, and that's that was the IPL auction. And that's actually got me kind of excited for it, I think. I've fell out with the IPL before now, but I think I'm ready for it. This is exciting. And I like the idea, Zach. I know you mentioned this might be the last Uber auction. I kind of like the idea of a little bit more continuity of like, who represents which franchise and who is the the big player from that franchise. I guess that's what retentions do anyway. Uh, but yeah, that article in ESPN Quick Info, it's linked in our description. I'd read that if you want to catch up even more on what was the IPL auction last weekend. Uh, Zach, you're going to take us around the grounds internationally and domestically and you're going to start with the PSL. I know you're watching a game frantically right now. Uh, obviously, this will be irrelevant by the time people are listening because it's over, but what's happening and what's been happening in the PSL since we were last on? So since we were last on, it's kind of been same old, same old. Multana still good, although they did lose their first game. Their first, as in the first game, they'd lost all, all season. They're still good, looking good for qualification. So there's there's about another week of group stages in this. The first semi-final, not sure how they do it. Pretty sure they do the kind of similar to the IPL where first place, second, and then they get kind of another go. And yep. all of those finals phase starts on the Wednesday, the 23rd. So Lahore Calanders are second. Fakas a man still hitting loads and loads of runs. Their bowling attack still not doing that well, even though they've got you know Shaheen and others doing very well. Under them, there's three teams that are on six points, and that's Islamabad, Quetta, 
and Peshawar, and they're all they're all they're all decent enough. They're not amazing. Islamabad looked the best out of that lot, although they look like they might be about to lose right now to Karachi, who are still terrible and haven't won a game yet. But they might be about to win a game here with under nineteen captain Kazi Makram leading them to victory, which would be amazing for the under nineteens. One of two under nineteen players playing in this game as uh, Zishan Zamia, the under nineteen pace bowler, got Baba with a beautiful delivery. But yeah, other than that, no real headlines. Shout out Jason Karma Roy was injured today. About Jason Roy still going about his business, uh, playing in the same team as Vince. I then also saw I do drop in and out of this very sporadically. By the way, I also then saw Shaheen get them both in consecutive deliveries. So, but Roy's doing good things, right? Roy is doing good things. He did he did get a duck the other day, a second baller. And yeah, you're right. And James Vince then went the next ball. That was the first over of the game. So not too good on that front. They they didn't win that game. But yeah, they played a very good Lahore Calendar side who 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 are just very good. I think they could get to the playoffs. Quetta is gonna be one of them or Peshwar going for that kind of fourth spot. I think it'll be, and then Karachi, even if Karachi managed to win this game, which they probably will, they're, they're still basically dead and buried because this is their first win in, I think it's their seventh game. So yeah, not good, but same old, same old. Lots of English players involved, and I think we can we can do a full update after the tournament on kind of how those English players went, because there's, there's so many. Even Yorkshire's Jordan Thompson has just walked out to bat. Chris Jordan is padded up on the sideline. There's just so many random English players. There's a lot Alex out there, a lot of it. Alex Hales yep. just took a catch. <laughs> He's out there. He's doing his thing. We will have a full roundup of the PSL as well. well. We'll make sure to dedicate some time to that as and when it, it finishes. Uh, before we move on to part two and chat about the England Test Squad and, and Stuart Broad's article in particular, a few more round the grounds to, to go past. Quickly, Zach, India battered West Indies. They're having that sort of... They played England at home in the T20s. They've flown over to India for some white ball stuff. And then the Test matches will start in a few weeks' time. And they got battered, didn't they? Yeah, really, really poor from West Indies. Both these sides didn't bat particularly well in, in this series. India only India batted first in the last two games and got 2-3-7 and 2-6-5, which isn't amazing. And they kind of, their top order struggled. They played three different players opened with Rohit. Kishan, Pant and Dawan all played a game open. Pant open, wow. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately it didn't. He was going. He was going at like a strike rate of like fifty, which is exactly what. So India have had this problem where they don't score massive scores. They kind of go slow and then accelerate. So I think they're trying to score more runs at the top. Basically, they're trying to do what what England did with with bringing Jason Roy up to the top and just battering it from ball one. But yeah, then Pant was something like fifteen from thirty balls or something, and it was like, no, this is this is not this is not what we want. Yeah, Coley's still having a torrid time. Second baller in the final game, 26 Ooh. runs across three games. Oh, and, tasty. Yeah. Alzari Joseph was the star of the West Indies, though, getting Rohit and Kohli twice and just bowling really well. Surprisingly, he's never actually played a T20i before, though, which is a bit surprising considering how much of a kind of he's their main bowler in ODIs and they've never given him a go. I think it's probably just a matter of time, though. Yeah, just one thing to add. Yeah, as, as you mentioned, that West Indies batting was was particularly appalling. It's sad to see. Just look at the stats now. So Jason Holder was the top run scorer. Um, 
for the West Indies um, for this series. He only got 65 runs and he scored 57 of them in one innings and his average was 21 and he is number one run scorer. I mean, the highest average um, is only 30 for Smith, who only batted twice. So really slim pickings for positives on that West Indies team. And again, it's 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 a team, I don't know, we're you know, talking various formats, um, but West Indies are a team that really seem to fluctuate. I, I can never really pick them. Some series, they look superb, like against England. For the most part, they just look dynamic. They look fresh. They look ready to beat us, right? But you come to a series like this and you want to build on that England triumph. And it's just, you know, they're not the races. So I, I can't see any consistency from them in the last couple of years, really. I don't know what it is them either, because, and we chatted about this ahead of the World Cup last year, like which West Indies will show up. Maybe they just don't travel well, because... They seem to play all right at home. I know they had a decent series against Ireland, but it is weird, isn't it? Like, as the trends go, that means they're going to batter us in the test series, which is a bit frustrating. Um, something I think we'd all predict Inevitable. anyway. But yeah, that's for future podcasts. Um, future podcasts, we'll chat about that. Uh, yeah, so India about the West Indies. Uh, there is a series going on between Australia and Sri Lanka at the minute in Australia. It's five T20Is. We do not care. Uh, Steve Smith hurt his shoulder. Zach, anything else even worth talking about? Sorry, Australian Sri Lankan listeners, if if you are out there, but this this ain't for us, is it, boys? No, there was a super over in the second game, and Hazelwood bowled a really good super over, and then Maxwell and Stoinis knocked it off very comfortably. Poor death bowling from Australia. They had Stoinis bowling over twenty, which how many times we've we seen that before, and how many times we've we seen oh, it badly. Love, what's that all about? What's that all about with him? It's like it's not even like it's a franchise thing. They just think he can do that. I think I think it comes down to one of those things where it's they try and just bowl out their best bowler in the 19th and leave him with lots of runs to defend. And in that second game, they ended up conceding 45 runs across the final three overs to take it to a super over. So they should have had that game in hand. Because if you're 19th, if you're 19th over bowl doesn't deliver, you're then leaving Stoinis with nothing. It, it seems like you should do it the other way around. I, I don't know. I'm not a cricket strategist. And as we speak, I've uh, commentators cursed Karachi Kings saying they might win a game. And of course they've managed to lose it. So I, I know that's obviously, this isn't live for you listening, but it's, it's quite funny that I've just. It's live for us now. Them. What was yeah. their win viz, Glenn? You said their win viz was particularly high not long ago. 97.7% it was in the final three, four balls. And they managed to, I think, yeah, it was two from two, two from one. And as Zach pointed out, they, uh, they, <laughs> they just got run out. Couldn't get a single, which is incredible. So no super over. Good. So seven out of seven losses, maybe even eight out of eight now. It's, that's just diabolical. Seven from There's seven. There's got to be a beat boy in every franchise league, hasn't there? Uh, poor Karachi. Uh, running off Australia, Sri Lanka, there's three more games to play. That series finishes on Sunday. And yeah, just one more thing, just while we're in the realm of Australia, I'm really sad to see the news just just again breaking today. Um, we probably saw that uh, Will uh, Pukowski was trying to make his comeback, um, playing um, playing for Victoria against South Australia in the Sheffield Shield. Um, he got he got a couple of runs in the first innings, I think, did pretty well. And he managed to concuss himself for the 11th time by kicking a volleyball into his own head is what happened to him. And that just broke over this weekend. So really really sad um horrible to see and just what a freak way to to again you know get that head injury i can you know gotta you know send our best wishes and stuff but another freak accident that seems to set set the career of an immensely talented batter just just back once again it's horrible to see yeah i'd spotted that as well is he like prone to con is he got like a is he prone to concussions more or is he more unlucky in that he gets hit in the head a lot 
what's the deal? This is this has never happened before. This is one man getting concussed once a month. My my understanding of it from reading things from people who know a lot more about you know medical stuff is that once you are concussed, you are more prone to being concussed again. Oh this, right, he's, he's had this to a kind of an extreme level. Yeah, where he it, it just keeps happening and happening and happening. So it's going to happen, it, and it's it's so sad because it, it looks like he's he's going to have to stop playing cricket basically. Really, is it that bad? That's awful. He's like such a prospect, didn't he? He's got what that one or two test matches under his belt. Okay, that's interesting. It's almost like a domino effect. Then and you're more prone to it, and it's worse every time it happens. And here we are. Well, did you say again, 11th time or something? That's crazy. Okay. Well, we send our wishes to him and hopefully we can see him playing cricket again. Um, a few more bits before we round up part one. Uh, Indian women are in New Zealand. This is a warm-up series. Obviously, the Women's World Cup starts in three weeks. Uh, so there's a tour here for the Indian women. Uh, we'll talk about the England women's squad in a second. But Zach, anything from this this little tour worth talking about? Yeah, this has actually been a really interesting series so far because... New Zealand, they they haven't had that the best preparation for this for this World Cup. It's at home, so they'll be kind of expecting to do well. But they they came over to England at the back end of our summer last year, and and they didn't they didn't do particularly well. It was pretty comfortable for England, but actually they've they've played one T twenty I and one ODI so far, and they've beaten India in both. You know, scoring two seven five in the first ODI, including a, a hundred for Susie Bates. They were at one point 196 for two with 14 overs left. So they were a little bit disappointed in that, even getting 275, which is, you know, a decent enough score. And India never really got close. And Jess Kerr will be on a hat-trick for the first ball of the second ODI, which will have happened by the time you listen to this, because that's uh, tonight our time. So (laughs) either she'll have a hat-trick or she won't. But yeah, it looks to be setting up to be a really competitive series. And, I, you know, if... New Zealand can compete with India, then it's giving me lots of hope for this World Cup. I think Australia are, are pretty out, far out in front, but the rest of the teams competing should uh, should do well. And, you know, we'll have a full preview coming up soon. Absolutely. Good plug for that. Uh, England women's squad, no major stories other than the bigger mission of Sarah Glenn. Otherwise, a very predictable squad. Um, a bit worrying for England that they dropped off so much at the end of the Ashes series in those three white ball games. Hopefully we can put that down to general Ashes fatigue, sort of knowing the the race was run as it were and, and they can they can start quickly uh, when that World Cup comes around. And as Zach said, we'll have a full preview of that. Uh, so that's it for part one. In part two, we'll be analysing Stuart Broad's Daily Mail article and chatting about the England Test Squad. Welcome back to Rainstop Play. Part two, we're going to do our usual weekly pitch inspection. This is where we pick an article or a piece of that's worth reading this week um, and, and chat about it together. Obviously about cricket as well. It, it's not a random piece. It, of course, it would be about cricket. Uh, this week, I think it was kind of handed to us on a plate, boys, with uh, Stuart Broad's Daily Mail column that came out on Sunday. Uh, once again, this is linked in the description of the podcast. If you, want, if you haven't read it yet, go away and read it now. Pause the podcast. Come back and we'll be chatting about it right now. Interesting to see, boys. I thought he said a lot of things that I think we all agreed with. Um, obviously, it feels like a long time ago, but this news broke as soon as we dropped the last podcast. So it has been a week since that England squad was announced. For those who don't know, Broad and Anderson were dropped, rested, whatever you want to call it. 
Uh, Andrew Strauss saying they've still got a place in the setup, but they wanted to give some sort of leadership positions to new younger bowlers, let them sort of lead a tour rather than having Broad and Anderson there, causing a lot of anger and sort of confusion amongst England fans. Um, and clearly for Stuart Broad as well, he wrote his piece, um, which came out Sunday. It was it was pretty calm. It seemed pretty, you know, circus, but he wasn't too angry. But I found it most interesting that he didn't expect this. This is the kind of thing I think with our two senior bowlers, Borden Anderson, and we've spoke at length and everybody has about how you deal with this, you know, older players leaving the team. The fact they didn't expect this and he got a five minute phone call explaining why and a sort of left to sort of mull over it as he talks about in this piece is a little bit worrying. Um, Glenn, I'll come to you first. Start with, you know, we, how do you feel about Broad Anderson being dropped slash rested for this series? And what did you think of a broad sort of response to Strauss and, and what is a, a new England leadership team coming through now? Yeah. Um, well, first of all, uh, ridiculous decision. I mean, I just don't know why you wouldn't play um, two of your best, arguably best ever test players um, of the modern era, two of them. I know there's been a couple, ironically, Andrew Strauss being very much in that category. Uh, yeah. Bizarre decision. You know, you mentioned at the top of the pod, I was, um, you know, scrambling to put together an 11 for the England team. All I could think, like, n- no joke, is I wish I had a Broad or Anderson to, to fit yeah. into this team. Like a high quality, world class on their day test bowler. I think it's, I think the co- collectively, a lot of people in the cricket community are just feeling a little bit um, confused and a bit disappointed by this one. It's interesting you said his tone wasn't angry because I, I I felt fury dripping through every paragraph of that piece, actually, Dan. I thought he was um, disgusted with the decision and I think he was very clear about that, which, may I add, he has every right to do. Really interesting piece. I'm glad he wrote it. Shame about the outlet, but you, you can't change that. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think it was very honest. It was... Um, it was very suspect. You know, I agree that, that, that it was introspective and he was, um, you, you know, really putting his thoughts and feelings and, you know, his, his struggles to, to kind of make sense of those thoughts and feelings onto the paper. It was very raw. Um, and I think it was a really, really good piece of writing. And it really gives you an insight into, you know, professional sports people, uh, even at the top of their career. You know, it's massive highs and lows. You know, he had a couple of great spells in the ashes. And then all of a sudden you come back to this. And it was really sad that he said he had more texts about this than when I think he got about um, eight for 15 um, against the Australians at Trent Bridge. I mean, what do, what more does that tell you? I mean, he gets more messages saying how ridiculous this is than celebrating one of his probably his greatest success in international cricket. Um, yeah, I'm glad we're talking about the piece. I think it's a it's a really important one. And again, it just seems to really speak to this utter dysfunction, this complete lack of clear communication at the heart of the English setup. And if this is meant to be a complete rebrand, uh, which allegedly it is, is if this is meant to be looking forward uh, and moving away from the very rigid selection process that's really dominated and dictated our last 12 months this does not make sense and it's just it's embarrassing for english cricket for the ecb for their best players to be writing pieces like this rightly so because they're being treated absolutely appallingly um yeah a tough read actually i'd say yeah com- completely agree with with a lot of that glenn i've just thought of uh and we don't necessarily have a tweet of the week for this but i've got a contender uh quick ben jones tweeted uh, may they rest and rotate in peace when, when this first broke which I, I really enjoyed um because you know like you said Glenn there's been all these policies and and now they're dropped and yeah I 
I, I, I've written in our notes, I fear for the second division sides having to face Stuart Broad in April. And he goes to Hove on their first game of the season to play, uh, not, play your Sussex, great. Dan. And I'm worried about I, Sussex. I mean, he's going to be angry. And remember, <laughs> remember Hampshire Bowl angry. I think this is almost double the angry. Mm. And, and also remember the Sussex... They're not very good at the best of times. Oh yeah, but that's we all know that. I think anybody <laughs> rock up and would be out for about one fifty. Um, a few bits I want to pull out from the piece. He says, if I was averaging a hundred with the ball recently and had a terrible record in the Caribbean, then okay, try someone else. Uh, but I bowled well there in the past, and the West Indies are a team I've had pretty good success against. All very true. He hopped on the tube. And people were asking what's going on, and he didn't know what to say to that. Um, and I, I think that comes to your point, Glenn, about when he said he's had more texts about this than about some of his great successes in Test cricket. And it is sad. I feel like Broad gets the brunt end of it as well. Like he had the the issue at the start of the bubble season in 2020 where he got dropped and uh, sort of spoke out quite candidly to the media. I do love how players are now feeling they can do this and and sort of giving us that insight. Uh, it's a terrible decision. And why why can't we just play? our best 11 for a match of cricket. Do you know what I mean? Why are we having to think so far ahead? What is Sakiba Moo going to learn over these three test matches because Broad and Anderson aren't there? What is he going to learn? Nothing. It, probably even less because he hasn't got two of the senior bowlers around him to help him out. He's got, he's got, he's got to look at Ollie Robinson as, as your sort of talisman now, which is ridiculous. And then your next most talismanic scene bowler, Chris Wokes, love him. Great guy. Shouldn't be on this tour, quite frankly. And, and that's your next most senior bowler. Uh, so mini rant over. Glenn, I saw you, you want to say something. Yeah, I mean, it's a bit of a shame. Uh, and, you know, we, we've moved past it. But I don't think Ollie Robinson is necessarily the best role model for, for a young <laughs> cricketer integrating themselves into this team, to be brutally honest. Um, yeah, I, I hadn't actually thought of that perspective, Dan. I think that's really, uh, really insightful to think, yeah, not only are they not going to be on the pitch, which is the main issue, they're not going to be in the background, working in the nets, um, improving people's games, you know, collaborating with other players, you know. Put them in the squad. By no means am I saying Broad and Anderson have to play every single game of this series. No, I don't think anyone not, no. is. No, um, you can rotate both of them with each other within the team and just make sure there's a senior figure around to provide leadership on the pitch um, and to provide support and advice off the pitch. And it feels, you know, cutting your nose off to spite your face. England are always like, we need to develop, we need to look forward and develop the next generation of young cricketers. Well, what helps that generation is, as you precisely said, Dan, having quality experienced, clever uh, bowlers around to, to improve your game. And, and England really have just cut that out of this tour. And once again, we are starting a tour that should be exciting under this complete cloud of animosity. And it's so frustrating. It's the 4D chess again. And I remember vividly at the start of the Ashes, um, obviously Burns had been dismissed and, and that Fox commentary team saying, what are England doing? They're thinking too hard here. Just play a game of cricket with your best 11. And we know how that series ended. I think you're right, Glenn, that this series is going to start with, with that tone overshadowing it as well uh nasa saying in the sky sports podcast i think put it best um i'll try and link this as well it's a good little clip he put or the tail enders put on their twitter where he said if you had to pick two problems from the ashes tour having broad and anderson and having root batting at four weren't even in the top 10 problems yet these are the two things that the, this new england selection team new england hierarchy have zoned in on for the start of this tour They've gone, right, let's move route to three and let's drop our two best bowlers. And this is going to help, despite that not being even in the top 10 of the issues that happened down under. And you still pick Ollie Pope and you still pick Chris Wokes. And I just, it's, it's B 
beyond me. And you're right, Glenn. This should be we should be starting afresh here. And it, we're going around in circles. It, it's crazy. It's crazy. Um, and that does bring me on to the rest of the squad, which which we, which we are going to talk about. We've mentioned some already. I'll read the squad out for you. Joe Root, Johnny Bairstow, obviously expected. Zach Crawley, who will open. Uh, Matt Fisher gets his first call-up kind of out of nowhere for me. I'm, I'm sure Zach, you can chat about him in a bit. Uh, ben Folks, we think will get the gloves. We can chat about our 11s in a bit. Dan Lawrence, who surely needs to get a run now, uh, also called up. Uh, Jack Leach as one of two spinners alongside Matt Parkinson. Again, please give him a game. Alex Lees, who will pretty much guarantee to be open the batting with Zach Crawley. Saqib Mood, who we've mentioned, Craig Overton, uh, Ollie Pope, who I'm angry is there, Ollie Robinson, who will spearhead this attack, uh, Ben Stokes, who could batten up a little bit higher this time, uh, Chris Wokes, and Mark Wood. So, you know, Hamid, Burns, uh, Milan, sort of the casualties from from the from the Ashes tour, Broad and Anderson as well. Zach, what do you reckon to this squad then? Let's try and think a bit more positively if we can. Um I'm not too excited about it. And I think this is the Broad Anderson issue. If you'd pick this squad and put Broad Anderson in it, I could see us being a lot more glass half full here, but we're already on the back foot as a nation talking about it. So what are your initial thoughts on, on this squad? Yeah, seeing seeing Fisher's name in there was was a real surprise. I, I didn't he wasn't he really wasn't on my radar. He's got a pretty good record. He apparently like there's very limited Kind of all of uh, if you bowl in county cricket, obviously there's no Hawkeye, so no one knows how fast you are. I had a little look at his kind of numbers across the games that do have ball tracking, and that was kind of you know a few blast games, a few games in the hundred, and it, it's still kind of hard to gauge. But supposedly he bowls at high eighties or can bowl at high eighties, which I think is what England are going for. He's quite tall. He's got a bit of a. I've heard his, his action described as a as a bit of a Glenn McGrath. Can't say I've seen that much of his, of his bowling, but yeah, it's, it's an interesting pick. I think he said in an article he did. Well, first of all, his family, without him knowing, put a bet on him to get in the England side about five years ago or something when it was a hundred. I love to it. One, I love it when that sort of stuff comes hilarious. through. They're always good stories. Yeah, and also he he was kind of disappointed that he wasn't going to get to just talk to Jimmy Anderson and Stuart Broad about bowling for England and learn off them in the nets, which completely understandable. The other one, Alex Lee's been very good for the last three years on pitches that aren't particularly good, basically at Durham. Durham's not the easiest place to bat, you know, left Yorkshire after a bit of a tough time under, under, you know, some not great coaches. So I think he's being given kind of the benefit of the doubt for being poor in that period. And yeah, Alex Lee's, I don't hold high hopes, to be honest, for him. He, everyone's just saying, oh, he's a bit like Burns, where he where he didn't have one good season. He's just been good over the last three. And he has been good over the last three, but Burns hasn't been a good test batsman. It's not a the, name you want to be put while. up against, is it? No. Oh, he's like Burns. It's like, oh, okay, great. He's like Hamid. Like, oh, don't, don't say that. Come on. Exactly. When I saw it, I was like, oh, they're, they're trying to make that like that's a good thing, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Rory, you did well for a bit. Um, Glenn, you've been scribbling away. Have you have you carved an 11 out of this sort of slight mishmash of people? I've tried my dear sweet best. <laughs> and I, I'm, I'm going to preface this with 
tear it apart, please, because this isn't me like yeah. a, you know, I love our range stop play kind of ashes predictions or India away where we get really passionate and defend our choices. This is me trying my best, and it's a bit of a bit of a hodgepodge. Um, I'll run through it one to eleven batting order, and yeah, it doesn't fill me with much joy at all. Um, number one, Crawley, Lee's, um, Root, Stokes, Bearstow, Lawrence, Folks. Uh, I'm not too sure about eight, maybe Mahmood, I think. Robinson, Wood, Leach. That's what I've got. Zach's about to <laughs> throw up. <laughs> So it's, it's, it was going well. It was going really well to Mamuda. Well, well, life was, life I, well we've got four. Well, okay, that in the sense of the bottom four were all kind of 11s four, and they're all yeah, in any order. Yeah, in any, yeah, order, in any order, order. Precisely. I, precisely. I, Zach, and, and, and I like to hear I like that top seven, Glenn. I do. I think I don't want to see Pope in there, quite frankly. Um, I like how you I like where Bearstow's batting. I like that folks got the gloves. Lawrence gets a go. That's the top four I'd go for as well. So, yeah, very good. Tick from me. Obviously, then Mahmood at eight went horribly wrong, but, you know, it's fine. <laughs> I, I like that bowling attack, though. Mahmood, Wood, Robinson. I, I think that's what they'll go for. I love Jack Leach, but I, I want to see Parkinson get a go. Well, I, I, I kind of agree. Long enough. I, this is me being a Leach loyalist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair enough. It's tricky, I think, with the spin options, because I think there's a lot of, and I hope it's the same in the England camp, a lot of goodwill for Jack Leach, and he has been mistreated, and we want to see him play, and he's a good spinner, and it should spin in the Caribbean. But on the flip side, we all want to see Parky get a go, don't we? We all want to see that. We all want to see us get a leg spinner. So I don't know how they're going to battle that, sort of that push and pull between those two players. I think a good way they could go about it, and I I don't necessarily think this will be their thinking, but I think it could easily be what they do, is that Antigua of the grounds we're playing, I think, is the one that spins the most. So if it's already spinning, you don't necessarily need Parkinson to be you know, because obviously he just he rags it far on any pitch, whereas Leach in a on a spinning track is obviously pretty good. So I can see them going Leach for the first game, and then I would love them to go Parkinson for another game, depending on how we go. I, you know, we could easily be two 0 down after two tests here, and then we give Parkinson a debut. I hate we to love be we love giving people debuts in the midst of an absolute cluster, don't we? Like Carnage. like we're two 0 down, go and win us a test. It's like, oh, God. But I, I see what you're saying there, Zach. And I think Leach deserves to be the senior spinner and get the first get the first test match. And so just just to just to look at that kind of bottom four, then say we are including uh, including the leggy Parkinson. Would that be Robinson? Would yeah. then I, I think Parkinson can't bat at all, can he? His average is no. bleak from I think, what I was looking at a minute ago. Yeah, Robinson, Robinson's your, your eight, who's probably an eight and a half. And Wood's your nine, who's probably a nine and a half. I hate to break it to you guys, but you know what they're actually going to do? Do you want me to tell you what they're actually going to do? Well, Chris Wokes is going to play, isn't he? Chris Wokes is going to play and Ollie Pope's going to play. Dan Lawrence isn't going to get a game. Do you not think? Best or, best or about a five. The top yeah. four, I, t- the top five is what they'll do. Pope will bat at six. Lawrence won't get a game. Wokes will bat at eight. Sorry, Wokes will bat at eight. Yeah. After Folks bats at seven. And then it will be probably Wood, Wood, Robinson and Leach, which is... No debutants really, is there in there other than Alex Lees? That's like the same problems we've still. Yeah, that, that, that what they've done here is managed to sort of confuse us all by dropping Ward and Anderson, suddenly pulling Matt Fisher out of nowhere, making us think this is fresh and new, and then play the same team minus Broad and Anderson plus Alex Lees. Um, yeah, confusing. Other sort of configurations you could. I've seen this is, is not play folks and have Bearstow at seven where he's quite effective. You can probably get Lawrence and Pope in a side then. Uh, but I think we all want to collectively see 
Mahmood have a good go. Parkinson have a good go. Obviously, Leeds will get a good go. And just just flesh them out. See if they've got anything about them for, for when we come and play in the summer. Yeah, I think rightly rightly said by you both, it, it completely defe- defeats the point. I'm so annoyed I can't even pronounce words. It completely defeats the point <laughs> of um, of this tour if you leave two of the you know two of the classics at home and then you play essentially a group of players who have all been given a go at Test cricket to varying degrees of success without really trying someone until it's too late, as you rightly pointed out, Dan. So, yeah, I mean, listen, if you were going to experiment with a team and you want to blood some young talent, there is a case to be made for that. But you've got to do it. Being in the squad does not count as being on the pitch for five days. And I really I really hope we see something resembling the team that we put together. But I do worry that, that, that Zach's uh, cynical 11 may well actually uh, pan out. Zach's, Zach's very good at cynical 11s. He's very good at getting inside the ECB's mindset, wherever it happens to be, you know, whatever side of the bed they go out on. Zach knows, he feels that, and he goes, right, they're actually going to do this, this, and this. Um, but, it, yeah, it would be hilarious, wouldn't it? They drop Broaden Anderson and just go with, like, Robinson, Wokes, Leach, Wood, who we've seen over and over again for too long. They should play... The best bowling attack would be Mahmood, Mahmood Parkinson, Fisher, and, like, Overton. I don't know, really go rogue and just, just, just bin off all the ones we know could play quite well. Differential, differential bowling. <laughs> 11, I, I, I would like that. That would be quite funny. And I'd have respect. I'd respect not a lot. I'd, I'd slightly respect more the broad and Anderson dropping if they did that. Oh gosh. The first, the first 11 is going to be going to cause riots. I think, isn't it? It's going to cause carnage. We'll get straight onto um, the spaces. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think that, that's going to be a good day for Twitter spaces when that, when that coin toss is had. Uh, well, yes, three test matches. They start on March the 8th, maybe something like that. Uh, good luck to England. We'll have a full preview of that. Of course. Uh, right then, as we always do to wrap up the pod, Zach, we've got a quick question. Remind us of last week's one. I can't remember it. So I might, I wasn't here last week, so I might answer it on the spot. Uh, and then we'll, we'll do this week's question. So last week's question related to Dewalt Brevis broke the 500 run mark and scored, ended up scoring one more run than the only player to, the only other player to have ever done that in an under-19 World Cup. Who was the player who'd done that before? And they did it in, oh, I can't even remember now. I think it was like 2004 or something they did it in. Uh, they are still are they, playing a current they, India player. Okay, I was they played they in Indian, the ODI series. Played in the ODI series was under under nineteen seven two thousand four, two thousand four. Worth noting, I didn't realise this person was this old. Rahane. He didn't play ODIs. Come on. Ah, <laughs> uh, see, I don't know. Uh, let's do who's sort of old. I don't know. Two thousand four is so long ago. How can they still be playing cricket? It's very strange, isn't it? It's actually Shikha Dawan. No way. How old is he? That's a good He's one. 36. Wow. My God. I thought he, he was like... a bit old. Yeah, but I thought he was like... 30. Yeah, he has younger energy, I think, than he does. He's like 32 energy, maybe. I don't know. So that was last week's answer. Shikha Dawan. Modern, if you've got that correct at home. Great question as always, Zach. Do tweet us at rain.pod if you get it right or if you've you know, got, got some a bone to pick with Zach's questions. I don't know. Tweet us. What's this week, Zach? What are are you going to leave us with this week? So this week's question relates to the PSL. In the PSL, Fakazaman has crossed the 400 mark for the first time in his career. Passing the 400 mark has only happened nine times in PSL history, three times by Babar Azam. And it's only happened twice by an overseas player. 
Can you name the overseas players who've done it? It's two different players. One of them did it in 2019 and the other one did it in 2018. Both have retired from cricket. Ooh, what a caveat. Ooh, These questions are ooh. superb, Zach. I hope our listeners keep you know it to the end because it's golden. Yeah. <laughs> I hope you're also keeping notes, listeners, and like seeing which ones you're getting right. And, and we can maybe do it. We could do a total at the end of the year. Or I just had this while you were saying it. A special a very quiz. pub quiz question. I think at the end of the year, Christmas special, you read them all out again and we'll see who's retained any information. Or maybe you do new ones. I don't know. Some form of the other. Is, is Chris Gale retired? Is he still going? He's still going. Good guess, but it's not Chris Gale. Oh, My guess would then be A.B. De Villiers. I'm going to say A.B. De Villiers. I'm not sure if you've even played in the, in the PSL. Oh, I don't know. It's, I'm just trying to think of players that have PSL. just retired who are like obviously very good. So one one of them I you won't get, I don't think. I kind of don't really know who he is. I, I, he's one of those kind of oh, players who are like, wait, oh, yeah, he was all right. All in deep. <laughs> <laughs> the other one is a legend, an Australian legend who... Uh, has dabbled in commentary recently and I really liked him as a commentator. It's a big clue there. I know who it is and I don't want to ruin it for everybody else. Yeah, I got it right. I just mouthed it to Zach. Okay, well, that was a good clue, Zach. And then, so there's one with a good clue there and one that nobody's going to get. So <laughs> you got to tune in next. You got to tune in next week to find out who this person is. That'll about wrap it up for this week. Thank you again for that question, Zach. Uh, tune in next week to hear the answer, of course. Glenn, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Zach, thank you very much. Thank you, Dan. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back at the same time next week. Until then, thank you very much. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.